I have a few announcements to share with you. Uh, the daily breads for the next quarter, starting in December, are already here, so they're out on the table out there. If you would uh, like to pick one up, and if you want to pick up an extra one for a friend or a shut-in or somebody that you think would uh, like to have one, feel free to do so. We also have something that's being offered new by uh, the Daily Bread people, and that is uh, a large print edition of Daily Bread. Now, this isn't parallel with the ones that are out there right now. This is just an independent one. They're trying to see how well it does. And so this one just is not numbered by dates. It just has, you know, day one, day two, day 47, whatever, you know. And uh, so you just pick it up. You start with it fresh and, and finish it through the 90-day the cycle. So... Um, feel free to use, pick up one of those. If you have a, a somebody, again, that you know that is a shut-in or, or someone maybe older who has a problem reading uh, the fine print, uh, don't hesitate to want, you know, share that with them. Um, shoe boxes, I want to remind you to pick those up. Um, we're putting them together this year. All the information you need about them is inside the box. It'll tell you what to buy and, and when they need to come back and all. So uh, we, we're just uh, we're joining several other churches in the area that are doing this, and so we want to uh, encourage you, if you can, to participate with that. Um, the school board meeting, uh, where the Planned Parenthood is presenting their uh, new sex ed program, uh, is at 6:30 in the library at the high school on this next Wednesday, October 13th. And uh, for those of you that have been following the information about what's going on there and want to attend the meeting, uh, you are invited. It's an open meeting. You're free to do so. We do still have out on the table a uh, letter format, if you will, a piece of paper there that uh, details what's going on and uh, why we are concerned about uh, the uh, sex ed program that's being uh, proposed and is already established in some schools. And it's... Uh, uh, the, the, the intent basically to say, and I'll just say this much from here, is that it goes much further than it needs to to accomplish its purpose. So we'll just leave it at that, and uh, you can read the details. And then if you have any questions, give uh, uh, Alan Abishon a call or give me a call, and we'll be glad to ask for those questions. Um Let's see, I've got a couple other announcements. Um, our, we had scheduled to start up our Tuesday uh, community uh, group, uh, our home study group, uh, this Tuesday. And we are unable to start at this point. We'll have to postpone. I'm not sure exactly when we will start it again. Uh, the teacher, uh, Grant Stockman, has COVID and... Uh, He's uh, fortunately, it seems that he's not got a real bad case of it, uh, but they did because of his his health needs. Uh, they did uh, send him to the hospital in Eureka for an infusion, and uh, he seems to be doing well. So uh, just keep uh, Grant in prayer as he goes through this, and we'll let you know as soon as we're ready to start up the community group meeting. And then the last thing I have to share with you is. Uh, for October 31st, we're having a special Kids Day here at church, and uh, it's after the service, and the children are, are invited to show up at church with costumes on, uh, but I want to make sure that you understand we, we try to make sure that the costumes are church appropriate, meaning that we don't need any goblins or ghouls or witches or anything like that. Uh, so if you have uh, friends that you would like to invite to this, feel free to do so, but the costumes need to be uh, just careful. You know, like kids come as cow anything from cowboys to, you know, dressed up like Moses, you know. Uh, but uh, they're welcome to come Sunday to church that way. And then after church, we're going to have a time of distributing uh, some candy. And uh, I'm not going to go into the details of how that's going to be done, but it'll be fun. And then uh, after that, there's going to be a hamburger hot dog barbecue for them. So it's a fun afternoon planned for them. And uh, people ask why we do this. Well, I know a lot of people don't 
pro, uh, participate in the other October 31st uh, activities. And so this is something for their kids to, to uh, have some fun. So that's what it's for. And if you have any questions, I am not the person to ask. Uh, Debbie Littlefield, who just exited with a bunch of kids, uh, is the one to ask. And uh, she also wants me to make sure you know that she needs helpers. Uh, getting all this candy out to kids and, and the different things that they've got planned, they could use some helpers. And so uh, if you uh, want to help, uh, you can let me know or let Debbie Littlefield know, and we'll make sure that that gets coordinated. I think that covers all the announcements I had to make today. Uh, in prayer needs, obviously I've already mentioned one, uh, Grant Stockman, who's uh, dealing with the COVID infection and... Uh, so uh, just to keep him in prayer and that it's, it, uh, it appears to be stopping with him and just to let it do that, then that this infusion will do everything it uh, needs to do to protect his body and, and keep him uh, strong. He seems to be doing well. And uh, also uh, keep Steve Schler from prayer as he recovers from his illness last week. Fortunately, he did not have to have any surgeries. And so uh, he's at home uh, recovering and doing well. And I guess Brad Gill felt so bad for Steve that he went ahead and had a surgery for him. And Brad had his gallbladder out. He had a gallbladder attack on Tuesday. And uh, so uh, he's recovering and he's asked that you just that you pray for him to, well, you know, his specific prayer to me, and I think I could share it with you, was that he would do what the doctor says and slow down and be take it easy. Uh, while he recuperates from the surgery. And uh, I'm the wrong person to tell that because I don't do it either. But uh, anyway, keep Brad in prayer. Uh, are there any other prayer needs this morning that I need to mention? Okay, let's pray together. Father, we come to you this morning to rejoice first. The fact that uh, we know, I, I'm just thinking of Hebrews 4.16, it says that we can come to your throne with confidence for your mercy and your grace. And uh, we do exactly that this morning. Asking for your mercy and your grace on these prayer needs that we've mentioned. And Lord, on the needs of our congregation that maybe are too private to bring out in a public format, but are still there. We need to, you know, we bring them to you. And we ask, Lord, that you would move in us in such a way that we are aware of what's going on around us. And those that we know that have needs, uh, those that are shut-ins and what, whatever, Lord, that You would make us conscious of whatever needs they might have that we might minister to them. And Lord, again, we, we pray for a full recovery for Brad and Steve and Grant and that You would, uh, especially with Grant, that you would just break the cycle of, of transmission and uh, that he would be uh, just regain his full health. And, and we don't hesitate to pray, Lord, that he would be healthier than before he, before it happened. And uh, again, we thank you for your mercy, your love, and your grace. And as, as we open your word this morning, we ask that you would open our minds and our hearts to receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we're taking a uh, quick look at the book of Acts. And uh, Acts has been designated by many as a uh, the, a book about the Holy Spirit moving in a lot of different ways, especially in the church. And so uh, the, the focus that I looked at the, that uh, we we're coming up with uh, for this is just the Holy Spirit working in the church. And I thought no better place to start than uh, the Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 where the Holy Spirit and the church literally merged in a sense. Uh, but I, I, just a, a quick step backwards, you know, in Luke chapter 24, verses 49, and uh, you have the, the God, Jesus Christ promising to the disciples the promise of the Father that, that they need to uh, prepare to receive the Holy Spirit and, and the power that the God has promised. And in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, this is, is, is what... Uh, Luke wrote, 
In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach, referring to the Gospel of Luke, until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. They uh, retire to the upper room. Uh, There appears to be about, if you look in, uh, I think it's Acts 15, there appears to be about 120 of them. And uh, they are praying together and waiting for what God is going to do. And this is where we pick up uh, at, in uh, chapter uh, 2. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, and remember they're in the up, this upper room, they've been praying uh, for all of these days. The day of Pentecost, uh, just uh, to a quick look at that, it's a Jewish holiday. It is, uh, they have visitors from all over the uh, world, uh, the known world at that time, which would be the Mediterranean, the, the, the southern Europe, and getting off into uh, Middle East areas, North Africa. Uh, people that are there to worship God and to participate in this particular uh, celebration, Pentecost. It's one of the three uh, uh, ones that all the Jewish people desire to participate in. And those that don't live near, at least they, they try to get there at least once in their lifetime, uh, if they can, to uh, be a part of this celebration. So there's many visitors from across the known world that are at this uh, uh, time, they're in Jerusalem at this time. So when the day of Pentecost arrived, they, referring to the 120, were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as the uh, fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance so in these first four verses on the day of Pentecost the Holy Spirit comes on these 120 people while they're praying, which includes the apostles and other disciples of Jesus Christ. As you look close at this, you start out with the, this, the idea, it says, suddenly. And a lot of times we'll just we'll read over words and not pay a lot of attention to it, but the idea suddenly was, is, is the idea without warning they didn't know it was going to happen at this moment. There was nothing to do to prepare for. It just it simply happened. There's no fanfare or, or anything going on that, that says, oh, the Holy Spirit's coming, be ready. Uh, other than what Jesus told them, pray for the gift of the Holy Spirit is, is going to be uh, given to you. But there, it was a suddenly. Uh, and what this reminded me of as I looked at it is that the Holy Spirit is on His schedule. And you look at the the way things are, it it says that, you know, everything that God does, He does at just the right time. Galatians 4, 4 speaks about Jesus, His death, burial, and resurrection. All of that, it happened at just the right time. It, it It wasn't something that could happen later or earlier. It had to happen then. And I've had people over the years try to discuss and say, why didn't Jesus come now when there's all this kind of communications possibilities? How fast we could have gotten it to all the world and and all of this. I don't have a better answer for you other than God knew the exact right time for it to happen. And so the Holy Spirit, He's suddenly in their midst. And, And so we start with that idea. And then there's this sound from heaven, this this rushing wind. 
that fills the house that they're in uh, where they're meeting. This is an audible thing, something that they can hear. Now, somebody says, well, you know, was there a rushing wind, literally the idea of a wind? It implies that it's an audible sound like rushing wind. But it doesn't say that there was a wind blowing. But the idea is, is that it's something that they can hear that is so overwhelming. It sound, have you ever been in a windstorm, a severe windstorm? I've only been in one, and and uh, where the wind were reaching uh, 70 and 80 miles an hour. That's the the most I've I've been in, and I know that they get worse than that by far. And I can recall the intensity, thinking as the the windows were rattling, the doors were rattling, and you thought everything was going to fall apart. A rushing wind is what we want to grasp a hold of, is that idea that it is something extremely loud. It obviously would grab their attention. It filled the house. Then a visible sign was there. Not only something audible, but something visible was the divided tongues. What it was was a, a, like a, a, a fire that split or cloven in, in a sense, resting on each person. And and it was uh, so they had a visible thing, audible, visible, and then it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Very powerful picture here, something that happened extremely fast. It wasn't something that was drawn out over a long period of time. It was just suddenly, boom. The rushing wind, the flames of the fire, the speaking in tongues. Now, there's a lot of issues about the the idea of speaking in tongues and the gift in tongues. I have no intention of getting into that this morning. Other than what they are doing here, I believe, isn't necessarily parallel with the gift of tongues. This is something God is doing that is unique. It says they're speaking in tongues. And the reason why I speak this way about it is what the result was of what had happened. Let's go to verse 5 of Acts chapter 2. Now, they were dwelling in Jerusalem. Now, the idea of dwelling was staying in Jerusalem. Some of these people had been there, uh, like I told you, that had come from long distances. Some of them had been there uh, since Passover. Uh, it was just, uh, it's, it's been a, a long period of time that they are there. And uh, now they are dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men. Notice the word devout. That means that they were men who were seeking God uh, from every nation under heaven. And at the sound, the multitude came together. Okay? At the sound, the multitude came together. I believe the sound includes the idea of the rushing wind, the sound of the wind. And it says, but they were bewildered. So there's another sound that they heard too because it says each one was hearing them, the 120, speak in his own language. In other words, all of these people from all these different nations were hearing the speaking of God, so to speak, in a sense, through these people, and they were hearing it in their own native tongues. Who was speaking this native languages? The 120 in the upper room. It says that they were bewildered. It means that they were confused. Like, how could this be possible? It says they were amazed, verse 7, and they were astonished. Saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Now, I want to be careful. But Galileans weren't noted for their, you know, high education, so to speak. They, they, were, they weren't people of Jerusalem. They weren't people that sat under some of the, the, the teachers of Jerusalem and, and some of the Sadducees and Pharisees and stuff like that. The, the scribes, the, 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 the priests. And I had one commentary put it. He says they're kind of like the hillbillies of Jerusalem. Now, I, I, like I said, I'm cautious, but the idea was that, that 
they're looking at it and saying, these are Galileans. This isn't a typical thing. How do they know all these languages? It's really what the question is. And how is it that they hear each of us in his own native language? And then it goes from verse 9 through verse 11 of, of speaking of all the different languages in the different countries, which you can pronounce for yourself. Uh, verse 12, and it says, And they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But there were others who were mocking and said, Oh, they're just filled with new wine. That throws a, a, a little bit of an extra thought in there. Why would some think that they were drunk? Well, there's a lot of reasons, but the odds would be that, that they were hearing lots of languages and it was all garbled because they were hearing them all at once. They weren't hearing necessarily their own languages. Why? Because they weren't the devout men. They weren't ready to receive. Who? It doesn't give us extremely clear reasons as to why they felt this way. But the idea is, is that they weren't the key is that they weren't ready to receive what God was doing. And so they weren't they, they saw it as, as something other than a, a thing of God. They must be drunk. There's something like that is what they were thinking. Peter gives explanation to this. Starting in verse fourteen. Peter standing with the eleven lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day, meaning it's only about nine o'clock in the morning. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And he goes to quote a prophetic statement from the book of Joel chapter 2. And it says, uh, verse 17, And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above. And I'm going to stop there because the second part of this is a prophecy that goes into the very end of times. What he's saying is at the beginning of the end of times, and he's thinking, well, that's a lot of uh, interesting way to express it, but there's the beginning. When does the end times begin? <laughs> We're talking that it has begun by this point because they're saying, I believe with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and His ascension, the end times begins. And so, and that's what basically Peter is saying. In times have begun, and this is what Joel spoke about. When that happens, I'm going to pour out my spirit, and I'm not going to pour out on my spirit on, on a select few uh, leaders of of, of 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 the Jerusalem or of the Jewish faith. I'm going to pour out my spirit. He says literally on all flesh. Now at this point, it's Jews that are 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 responding to this. But but the idea was that it was from all of the different countries that they came from. They came, the devout men, they, they were ready to receive. But did you notice something else that, that Joel said? He said, men and what? Women. Both are included in this. It's going to happen to all who are seeking the face of Christ, who are looking for God's answer. At this point, they were they they the, these devout men hadn't uh, come to a point of, of confession of Christ. That, that was something that had just happened uh, in the sense of, of what was going on. But they were they were coming with the fact that they were longing for and and looking for the Messiah and believing that God was going to send him. They were devout men. They believed in God's prophecies, and so that's what what what. Peter turns around and does. He goes right to a prophecy and says, 
here's something that we look about at, at, uh, in prophecy, and we, we know that he's speaking about end times. Well, let me tell you, end times has started, and the Holy Spirit has been poured out. This is what Joel said would happen, and here it is. Like I said, verses 19 through 21, uh, the final things of the last days, and that's not yet, obviously. Peter's then gives his sermon, and it's, it's focused on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it says in verse 37 that it cut to their, the, the heart of those who were listening. And their response was, what shall we do? Verse 38 of chapter 2, Peter gives his answer. Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Forgiveness, confession, forgiveness, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It goes on in verse 39. For the promise is for you right now, and for your children, the next generation, and for all who are far off. Guess what? We're the far offs. <laughs> and there may be yet more far offs before, before the second coming and the end times actually end. But the reality is, is it's, it's going to be for everybody that follows after Christ and, and, and up to His second coming. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to Himself. And with many other words, He bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from the crooked generation. So those who received His Word were baptized and were then added. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. I think that that gives us a picture of what is in the heart of the Holy Spirit in the church. What is in God's heart? God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. I know that that's, that's a worn out Scripture for a lot of people, but it's a key to who we are. That whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Eternal life. God wants people to be saved. The pouring out of His Holy Spirit, at least clearly, one thing was to happen. They were to be evangelized. They were to give, be given the boldness, the power to evangelize. To give witness and testimony. There, were, there are many more Acts of the, in reference to what the Holy Spirit does in coming uh, into this, uh, into, to the world at this time in a special way. In Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, and I'm not going to get into the details, that'll be enough of a name maybe to flash back for you, but the idea is Cornelius happens to be a Gentile that Peter's had dreams about, and they end up in contact with each other. And Peter realizes that he's to pray for him and lay hands on him and receive him into the church. What this is telling us is that the Holy Spirit is for all flesh because the people there receive the Holy Spirit and they speak in tongues. One more time, the speaking of tongues occurs in chapter 19 again with a Gentile group in the, in the city of Ephesus. But it didn't always happen. Every time the Holy Spirit was filling them and they were, and they were ministering, there's times where it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit and it doesn't say anything about speaking in tongues. Let me uh, draw your attention to chapter 4 of book of, the book of Acts. And I'm not going to go into... To, to, Great detail in this. Uh, you can read it. But the idea was uh, in, in chapter 3, Peter 
uh, had uh, there was a, a lame man that was healed, a beggar was healed, a lame beggar, and uh, it drew a crowd, and, and Peter ends up preaching to them, and then uh, and that was in in chapter uh, three, verses eleven through twenty-six. Now, this takes us into chapter four. The leaders of Jerusalem are upset about what Peter's doing. So they get Peter and John and bring them before them. They basically arrested them and, and were taking them for a hearing before this, the, the, the council of, of the Jews. And so they're, they're going about this in chapter 4. Uh, let's just read verse 1. And so they were speaking to the people and the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus uh, the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. So everything that, that, that Peter had done and the preaching that had been done, by them and the other disciples. More people coming to the church. More people getting saved. And now, there's about 5,000. The next day, the rulers are, are questioning them. They have a Q&A between them, I guess you might say. Uh, and uh, I want to get down to verse 18 and read that. So they called them and charged them not to speak. In other words, after the Q&A, they had some time to speak by themselves. And they bring uh, Peter and John back in and they said, so they called them and, and the, the council calls them back in and, and charged them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. Peter and John answered them, whatever is right in the, the sight of God to listen to you or rather than to, uh, than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. In other words, <laughs> we're going to go on speaking about Jesus. And when they had further threatened them, what did they threaten with them? Who knows? Imprisonment, beatings, floggings, whatever. They let them go, finding no way to punish them. And I'm thinking, why wouldn't they? They're the, the authorities. They've never had much problem finding ways to punish people. And it says, because of the people, for all were praising God, what had happened for the man who was uh, for whom this sign of healing, going back to the beggar, the lame beggar, uh, was performed, it was more than 40 years old, implying that he'd been lame all that time. In other words, that was quite a miracle. And they knew him. He'd been hanging around there with his, with his alms cup for maybe uh, 35 plus years. Uh, wait, you know, and so they, 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 it was a miracle. They knew a miracle had happened. And so the, the Sanhedrin, the, the council, uh, the, the Jewish leadership were intimidated by that because they were afraid if they did anything with, with Peter and John, the crowd would be an uproar and there would be a problem. And so they just said, well, we're going to let you go, but don't you do it. And if you do this again, we're going to. And, and, and then he released them. What I want to finish up with this morning is this next phrase. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they had heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of your father, uh, our father David, uh, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His anointed. So what they're giving you is an interpretation that it was not just the Gentiles shaking their fist at God, but it was the Jewish leadership also shaking their fist at God, saying, we don't want anything to do with what you've got planned. <laughs> and and uh, it says, For truly in this city there were gathered together against your body servant Jesus, whom you anointed with Herod and uh, who you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon the threats and the grant to your servants to come to continue to speak your word with all boldness. In other words, they said, "We're not asking for a way out of this." 
But it is a little intimidating. We need, we, we need your touch. We need your encouragement. We need the boldness to come on us. So they said that we will speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in the, where they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. Exactly what they, they asked for. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke, witnessed, evangelized with boldness. Wait. That should be something popping in here. Wait. Getting filled with the Holy Spirit again? Weren't they already filled with the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit had come. They'd been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And what I'm suggesting to you this morning, just to, to, so that you can understand this, there is the indwelling and the filling of the Holy Spirit. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit, I believe, comes at a point of confession. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. God raised Him from the dead. And I believe in my heart and, and, I, and I confess with my mouth. And the Holy Spirit enters into my life. But there is a battle between my spirit and the Spirit of God resting and going on in the sense that there's something new happening in me. I'm beginning to see the world with different eyes. And so I pray now to be filled with the Holy Spirit means to let the Spirit have control. He's already in me. To let the Spirit have control. When we let that happen, well, in, in chapter 5, verse 19, uh, 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 verse 19 through 21 in the book of Ephesians, it speaks about this. And, and it says, you know, uh, be careful how your days go and, and the days are evil. Uh, don't be filled with the world, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, this is written to believers, you know, and so be filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, that you will have the power of the Holy Spirit working in you and throughout you. Not just that you're saved, but that you are serving Him. And the only way we can do that is with the Holy Spirit. And what it goes on to talk about is, he says, the result of this is going to be speaking with each other in hymns and psalms and ministering to one another and lifting each other up and encouraging one another. When the body of Christ is filled with the Holy Spirit, we come together, we fellowship with each other, we become an encouragement to each other, we build each other up, we pray for each other. We, 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 you become a community of believers. And so what happens is the, the Holy Spirit is also, He's not just bringing a point of time for us to witness and to evangelize, but also to create fellowship and a bonding together uh, in, the, in what is... Paul later calls the body of Christ, the church. And so the work of the Holy Spirit in us isn't just to bring salvation, isn't just the indwelling in the sense of, of, well, he's in there someplace, but to have possession and ownership. We have to pray daily to surrender to the power of God working in us, the Holy Spirit, and ask for him to move in us. That we can be the people He needs us to be within the framework of our fellowship and in the framework of the neighborhood and the framework of where He has put us. Because there is an opportunity for all of us, probably in this next week, to do a number of things that the Holy Spirit causes us to do and enables us to do with power. One is to witness and evangelize and to share with others. The Holy Spirit giving us the words to say that will be just right for that person to hear. I don't know about how you came to the Lord, but I know that mine was a supernatural predestined meeting with a guy who I would never have given the time of day to for any other reason other than that I happened to be in a situation where I, I ended up sitting next to him at a meal. To this day, I cannot tell you how it got onto the conversation of God, the Bible, the Lord Jesus Christ, but it was enough that I told him 
I promised him I would go and read the Gospel of John without stopping. Read it straight through. I went across the street on the way back to my shop from lunch, bought a Bible, and went to my shop and sat in my spray booth in a rocking chair that I was supposed to be finishing. I read the Gospel of John. Then I read the Gospel of Luke. And I read the Gospel of Mark and then the Gospel of Matthew. Typical of my way of doing things. I did it backwards. And all I could think of was, how do all of these people buy into this? I think it really happened that they really believed that this Jesus Christ raised from the dead. But how could they possibly? And I spent the next year and a half trying to figure it out. Interesting thing. Perfect timing. Josh McDowell speaks at Cal Poly Stadium. I went to here, bought his book, read his book. All the things about Scripture, all the prophecies that God had worked out, things that were written thousands of years before they happened, all this kind of stuff. And I said, well, okay, there's truth here. It didn't happen yet, but what I want you to see is, is how God orchestrates things. He may use you to say just a phrase or a sentence or somebody might come up to you and ask, just like Peter says, to be prepared for, why are you doing this different? Or why is your reaction different than than the the typical reaction to this? Whatever situation they're talking about. And you are there to give your opportunity to give your testimony. And I believe the Holy Spirit will open your mind and your heart for the words you need to do it. Also to to encourage each other, to pray for each other. I, I just want to encourage you. That this is the things that, that, that God is doing to, to have fellowship and to community with each other. I was going to quote some scriptures from Romans, uh, but I just realized now that I don't have time, and so that's for another sermon. Uh, but... Uh, As we go into communion, I look at the things that God has provided for us. Communion is one of those neat things that is a visual. It's it's a lesson that tells us God poured out His blood, gave His body, poured out His blood. It's a reminder for us of what God has done. And as we share it, we share it with the anticipation that there's a day coming where we will share this with Him again and in the sense of, of Him participating. He says it to the disciples, I'm not going to do this again until we're all together again. I believe that's the marriage feast and I think that, that that's what, what what's involved there. But the, really the biggest, uh, the awesome thing here is, is that reality. That communion is a time of celebration, a time of reflection, Time of Thanksgiving. And uh, so, ask the worship team to come back, sing the song that we have prepared for communion. Uh, and uh, we'll have communion. We're using, still using the packets. So if you didn't pick up one before the service, they're out there on the table in the foyer. And uh, feel free to uh, go out while we're singing and pick one up. Giving us your son. 
book of Corinthians in chapter 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting with the 23rd verse, we have Paul uh, giving this information to the, to the uh, Corinthians in reference to communion. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us share the bread. In the same way also, Jesus took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes again. Father, we thank You for these emblems that remind us of all that You have done. I think in reference to the bread, especially in the, in, uh, in the reality that the sacrifice wasn't only at the cross, it was the emptying yourself and coming in the flesh. The bread represents your, your life in the flesh to us and all that you did and all that you experienced. We say thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you as we look at the agony of the Garden of Gethsemane, what you knew was to come at the cross, and yet your willingness to drink our judgment, the cup of wrath. Thank you. Because that has purchased our salvation. You took on Yourself what we deserve. But we also want to say thank You for Your resurrection because we know that that shows that You had the power and authority to do all of this and come back and be able to say to us that You're coming again to bring us home to You in a very special way. We look forward to that day. We can't help but say, Maranatha, come soon, Lord Jesus. We worship You. We praise You. We thank You. And as we go, we ask that You would fill us with Your Holy Spirit in such a way that we would have Your eyes and Your ears as we walk through the world around us looking for those opportunities to speak on Your behalf to a lost world or to a saved world that needs encouragement. 
We love you. We worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we close, please? Church, arise and put your armor on. Hear the call of Christ our captain. For now the weak can say that they are strong in the strength that God has given. With shield of faith and belt of truth, we'll stand against the devil's lies. An army bold battle cry is love reaching out to those in darkness our call to war to love the captive soul but to rage against the captor and with the sword that makes the wounded whole we will fight with faith and valor when faced with trials on every side, we know the outcome is secure. And Christ will have the price for which he died, an inheritance of nations. Come see the cross where love and mercy meet. As the Son of God is stricken, then see his foes lie crushed beneath his feet, for the conqueror has risen. And as the stone is rolled away, and Christ emerges from the grave, this victory march continues till the day. Every eye and heart will see Him. So Spirit, come, put strength in every stride. Give grace for every hurdle that we may run with faith to win the prize of a servant good and faithful. As saints of old still line the way, retelling triumphs of His grace, we hear their calls and hunger for the day when with Christ we'll stand in glory. As saints of old still line the way, retelling triumphs of His grace, we hear their calls and hunger for the day when with Christ we'll stand in glory. When with Christ we'll stand in glory. Amen. Lord bless you. Thank you for being here this morning.